Just as a warning before the episode begins, this episode of 10 Times the Terror mentions sexual assault, which could be triggering to some listeners. It's 10 Times the Terror! Hello there! Welcome to 10 Times the Terror. My name is Ralph. And I'm Paul. And my name is James. And I'm Gwen. And on today's special episode, we are going to be discussing the new film Promising Young Woman, which is one of the few 2020 uh, new releases that is able to be seen now. And according according to Wikipedia, it's a dark comedy thriller, though Paul might have his own opinion on what genre he wants to call this movie. But so we are going to be discussing this movie in depth. So if you have not seen it, we advise you to go watch the movie before coming back and listening to this episode, because spoilers, we are going to be discussing everything about the movie. Uh, The movie premiered at Sundance last January 2020 and was supposed to have its theatrical release on April 17th, 2020. But because of the pandemic, got postponed and didn't get its theatrical release until Christmas Day. December 25th, 2020, and then got a video on demand release on January 15th of this year. So if it's, if theaters are open, I believe it's playing. And then if you want to see it available to rent, I believe it's a 1999 rental, which is a little steep, but a lot of these new releases are trying to make their money back. So it is available if you want to see it. Um, but yeah, so it had a bit of a, bit of a rock, rocky trajectory in terms of its release, but it is out now. And uh, it is the feature film debut from director Emerald Fennell, who wrote the script as well, stars Carrie Mulligan, Bo Burnham, Alison Brie, Connie Britton, Adam Brody, Jennifer Coolidge. And um, yeah, so Paul, why don't you sort of take it from there? Okay, so the question is, what kind of a movie is this? And it's multiple layered, and it's, uh, I think it's, it's a disturbing film in the right sense of the word, that it makes us really confront realities that we're not otherwise prepared to do. I think that's an essential nature of the horror film, that it, it forces us to face things uh, that we would rather not have to think about. And, uh, and it does, the horror film also deals with the fundamental problem of evil. So I, I know it's, I, I think it's a debatable point, but I would call this film a horror film, um, principally because of how it, it ends. The idea uh, being that what happens in, in the climax of the film is uh, uh, it's, it's a revenge motif. Uh, we talk about the difference between sci-fi and horror uh, between you make choices and, and questions of, of fate. But a mystery and a horror, a mystery, the question is, who did it? A horror film is, how did they do it? And uh, in ah, this film, okay. yeah. it's very much the how did they do it? That's very, uh, that's very scary and disturbing. As, um, uh, or how, as how, she, the, how she did it. How she did it here, yeah. How uh, Cassie is acting out this revenge and this idea that she um, pretends to be drunk and get picked up by guys, and then uh, uh, as they're trying to assault her, she uh, uh, exercises her own her own strength of character and uh, confronts them, and they back down. It's a very very significant point. But they well, really back I down. Mean, does it- this is this is really scary because first of all, women scare me to begin with. I mean, women are scary. <laughs> you, you probably psychotic, scare them, so it's a two-way street. Uh, 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 a, psych, a psychotic woman is is like the ultimate scare, you know. But she she's not really psychotic. She's very deliberate yeah. in what she's doing, and that becomes clear that 
she really what one thing you confronted with in this film is does she have any other alternatives? And I think the film is very well crafted. I mean, they, you know, it's the same person wrote the script screenplay as directed it, and uh, there's no there's no loop out of uh, the situation that she's in because the, the the issue of the death of her friend Nina has already been adjudicated. Uh, it went to trial. Uh, the uh, the rapists were, were essentially acquitted, or actually the t- charges were dropped, uh, as it kind of is, is affirmed in the course of the film, uh, for lack of evidence. So, well, not uh, just that, but as we see from her scene with the lawyer, played by Alfred Molina, is that not only was it dropped, but he essentially bullied Nina to drop the charges, kind of like yeah. almost forcing her, or forcing her to sort of give in to <laughs> this sort of systemic problem. Isn't that the kind of story in some ways that you had with Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven, where girls were raped and the sheriff took no action and then finally, you know, they wound up taking action themselves? Yeah, yeah. I mean, something yeah, no, like it, that. It, 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 it can, this, this theme can work in many different genres. Uh, but I right. think here it's the horror story because uh, one of the things, a couple of things that be asked about this, one is that makes me think of it is that understand that uh, you know there's nothing new under the sun, and uh, there uh, the early classic horror films uh, really of the 20s and 30s. The 20s being the silent films in Germany, and then the 30s, the early beginning in Hollywood when we had the first um, American supernatural uh, horror films. Uh, but w- one of the things there is the great film, The Black Cat. Uh, directed by Edgar G. Ulmer, who worked in in Germany initially, and it's a similar kind of story, in that you have uh, Bela Lugosi as a character who's been victimized, whose wife has been killed, wife and daughter, and then he ends up coming back to take this terrific revenge on Boris Karloff, and he literally he's going to skin him al- alive, which is uh, Call it disturbing, as put it mildly. This is a similar kind of story, and it raises the question: What's the difference? Uh, is there a, where's the line of difference between revenge and and justice? What I want to interject with going back to the beginning of the film, and where we don't really know the main character's um, reason for her actions and why she's kind of putting these men in this kind of trap scenario where she appears to be drunk and they pick her up, and each scenario she's clearly um, exerting either a not desire to want to do whatever they're doing or isn't even giving an answer because she's kind of so out of it. And the real scare for the beginning of the film isn't anything other than the fact that she presents herself as completely lucid and aware and then just reinstigates whatever she'd been saying in a drunken way, in a very calm, clear, and forceful way that then these men are completely freaked out because they're thinking that they can just do whatever they want. And I think that's interesting is that there's no, there's no kind of real um, her getting at them in any other way than showing that she's not drunk, which I think is really effective and also showing how kind of sheepish and predatory these guys are being in the beginning. Right. And going off that, like as soon as she's not in a vulnerable state, i.e. very drunk, us immediately they sort of flip a switch where they don't want to, be around her because it's that power switch where she's now taking control of the situation and they're so caught off guard by that that they panic. Exactly. And then now she's undesirable. They never wanted her to begin with, which I think a lot of women can relate to, you know? 
Right. Well, because it's the whole idea of like, if you're drunk, you're easy in effect. Right. I, I think I think two two sort of like very conscious choices that the director makes in terms of the story is that one, I think making the sort of this sort of rape assault about her best friend rather than directly her. It's not it's not her acting out vengeance because of something she was she was directly affected by. But also the film never actually uses the words rape or assault. And I think that's by choice. I think they're directly she wants to directly sort of uh, explore and unpack that very murky gray area where guys might say, oh, well, we were drunk or, oh, well, we were kids. Oh, well, you know, she wanted it back then and sort of like really getting to the nitty gritty of of how, again, how deep and how systemic this problem is and how it's so normalized for a lot of people, especially a lot of men, that to sort of like really dig at the roots of it, sort of try to like expose how how horrific this is so many people don't even want to like address it or even acknowledge that it's a problem right and that stereotype of well the woman shouldn't have put herself in x y and z position where it then goes back to the female as the the main reason that it all happened kind of thing right okay 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 but let me ask you this i mean a, a lot of guys myself included when i was a young guy uh tried to make out with a girl and when we uh were brought into reality either that she didn't want that or she uh you know did something that brought us back to a real sense of okay you know uh we didn't panic we weren't in terror we just said wow okay goodbye you know i mean why is this a terrifying situation for these guys the whole premise of why it's terrifying for them is that they're um they're not in a scenario where you know, you're all hanging out or you've known each other or you've been dating or or anything like that where um, I think there could be more gray areas. There's there's strictly kind of finding the, you know, the the stray on the side of the bar alone and saying, now I'm going to take this opportunity to, to act like I'm helping her, but really just I'm I'm going to do whatever I want with her because she's in clearly a state where she can't do anything herself. They sound like a bunch of wimpy guys. I mean, the whole, the whole, the whole premise, and I haven't seen the film, so I'm at a disadvantage. But I'm saying, from what it sounds like, you know, in this this sense of being terrified or or depicted in a in a terror terrifying film. Um, that's I mean, what I'm we're not, not we're not using we're not using terrified as in like like you know coming at you with a knife, you know, scared for your life. I think. We're using in the sense of the, they know they're caught kind of thing. So then they get very backed into a corner defensive and 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 then okay. accusatory because they know what they were doing. They just didn't know that she knew what they were doing. And okay. Ralph, to give, to give some more context for the movie. So the whole idea is that Carrie Mulligan, her friend Nina, what happened was they were in med school together and she was basically raped by this guy while she was too drunk to even give any kind of consent yet alone let alone what's happening but was this guy had sex with her at a party where everybody was laughing and even filming it she was traumatized by it it became this whole court thing where again the lawyer sort of bullied her to drop the cases because it's very much taking the man's word over the woman's and what happens she ends up committing suicide so that's why that's why carrie mulligan's character is taking this mission to sort of expose men and sort of expose this whole systemic right. problem where it's yeah. always okay. it's always taking the men's side over the woman's side. Well, I think Paul, that, oh, you have yeah, I think the whole idea of that is that 
they're 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 fundamentally cowards, and and uh, you know they're they're prepared to assault a woman provided she won't fight back, and when she when she confronts them with what what she's doing with what they're doing, uh, they they pull back right away. But what is what's happened? You know the background story that drives the whole narrative is what happened to Cassie's uh, friend Nina, who was gang raped. Uh, at a party and and where they've been drinking, and um, uh, the, the suggestion is made. It's not said ex- explicitly, but I think it's pretty clear that she became depressed as a result and committed suicide. And uh, uh, every effort was made to get the, um, the the guys off, and they were all their doctors, young doctors, uh, to get them off of the uh, of of the accusation, uh, so that you wouldn't quote ruin their career. And uh, one of the most powerful scenes in the movie is where Cassie uh, confronts the uh, the woman who's a dean of the medical school. And um, this is not truly the case, but if you've again seen the film, she uh, Cassie gives the impression that uh, uh, the, that the the dean's daughter, young teenage daughter, being molested in uh, uh, in a uh, dormitory or something. Um, and that isn't the case, but she brings out of the woman what what it look what it would feel like to have someone that you know and love uh, being assaulted. So that's um, that's the driving force of the. And I think the point is being made that uh, the more serious thing is this kind of mob mentality that develops. There's this party that gets out of control. Uh, well, I mean, so I think, and that's terrifying. I understand that. That part to me is terrifying on the woman's part. Sure. One of the things that makes the, the story so compelling is there really seems to be no, uh, quote, appropriate or right thing to do at this point that the friend is dead. And so what her plan is, presumably, and the question would be, what if she was able to pull this off? A lot of these cases are uh, in, in horror films, the Revenge Act gets uh, intercepted some way and prevented. But you raise the larger question, what would have happened if it had indeed been fully carried out? What she's probably planning to do is to literally, with a scalpel, because she's a medical student, and uh, she's got the, uh, the the principal guy there, what she's intending to do is to take the scalpel and uh, probably carve her, her name and her, and her friend's name uh, into the, the the stomach of this poor guy, so he will have a lifetime reminder of what happened. If she had succeeded, she would have been you know arrested and you know charged with some kind of criminal assault. But the the way that she's framed it, that is to her benefit, is it would bring the whole story back to front and center attention, uh, which at this point there's no other way of doing it. So you're kind of left with this idea that, uh, yeah, it's a crazy scheme and it doesn't work out and it ends up in her, in her own death. But she realizes that that's a possibility. And the uh, okay. the one possible redemptive figure here is the lawyer who comes to realize that uh, uh, that he was instrumental in this woman's in this young woman's death. I have a question here. How How is she able to prove any of this if she wanted to? Yeah, video surfaces. And but that was the problem leading up to everything with Nina is that it was he said, she said. And yeah. they and they took the word of the guy because why ruin the guy's life over, you know, we all make mistakes, we all do things we shouldn't have been doing, kind of kind of defense. 
And the suggestion is that that Cassie saw this. That she, you know, she knows it's true because she saw it happen. What also surfaces, we don't actually see this, but a uh, apparently uh, the the rape scene was filmed, and uh, so she's able to make copies of that and is going to start sending it out to all the people who were involved. Now, whether that had surfaced, uh, probably did, hadn't surfaced at the time that the original incident took place. Uh, it had, because remember, the friend said she got it along with a lot of other mass texts at the time, but nobody oh, cared. Nobody cared, yeah. Or they didn't even maybe look at it. That's even that idea, you know. Right. So you're you're left with this idea of are there, there are no, quote, legitimate social options uh, for Cassie to pursue uh, with this terrible injustice that resulted in the um, death and suicide of her friend. Uh, what makes the film compelling is the question of uh, you've got a, a really corrupt system and uh, there's no legitimate way to address it. To me, a horror film is not, a is not the same as a scary film. All kinds of films can be scary. Certainly sci-fi films can be scary. We're going to talk about them in a few minutes. Uh, war films can be scary. Uh, you know, Westerns can be scary. Right. A horror film is disturbing. You have no and control. Opinion, it's disturbing. It, because it raises uh, questions about the nature of evil in the, the most in-depth sense. An evil that goes beyond just a, a warped human action, right. where it becomes a spiritual force. And I think in this film, evil has become a spiritual force. And uh, there's something, uh, I say, very satisfying about when she uh, pulls this stunt on the dean of the college, this woman, and, and get, lets the woman think that... Uh, her own daughter is now being gang raped uh, on the campus. And, uh, you know, the woman goes ballistic. And, and, and Cassie's point is, well, it's very different when it's someone you love. To just interject on that, I think um, it's even more important how she presents it because she doesn't present it as the daughter is really in danger she's like oh well you'll be happy to know your daughter was happy to go into that same room with the guys that are staying there now she was all excited i saw they had a lot of handles of vodka but i'm sure she'll be fine because they're good guys and and is playing the same defenses that they played for al monroe so it's like it's not that the daughter's in immediate danger but now you see that the dean really knows how serious that kind of scenario can be for a woman. And then when it's her own daughter, then she absolutely loses it. And then you really do see that she's not, she's not really bipartisan acting like she, she's seeing both sides. She, she knows full well what can kind of go on. All right. Well, you know, there's this whole, there's this whole theme here. It seems of wanting to bring some justice in defense of someone that you've loved who, who's been violated in a very violent way. Um, and I'm thinking right now, and it just comes off the top of my head of, of this idea of Peter, you know, in, in the Gospels where Jesus is being taken away very unfairly. He's had a trial. He's going to be crucified. Peter picks up his sword and he's told by Jesus, put away your sword. Um, and which has always kind of bothered me in some ways because, you know, there's the justice does come so, you know, at some point. But the point that, that, that I'm making at the moment is. You know, uh, there, there's so much injustice in the world, especially in in the sense of martyrdom in the in the world. I mean, there are there are hundreds of thousands of people every year martyred in their faith, 
And uh, is it ever appropriate to do what Cassie does and say, you know what, I want to I want to teach these bastards a lesson. Uh, is there a place for personal vengeance or is it so simply leaving it to the ultimate, you know, the ultimate fate to God or the, a court system, which often does nothing to to alleviate the problem? Well, I think that's a good question, too, where so basically at the end of the movie is that, you know, she sends this letter, she sends the video to the lawyer. Who the lawyer is the only one that shows any sort of remorse for what happened, sends the video to the lawyer and has this whole note about, in case of my disappearance, I will be going to this address to Al Monroe's thing. Basically, has a whole setup ready in case she dies. She sort of plans for it. But so the movie does end with some kind of justice in the sense that the, sh the cops show up at Al Monroe's wedding and arrest him because they know that he killed this girl. I guess the question the film raises then is that, all right, she gets this sort of justice for this one crime, but is she fixing the overall system? I, I think Cassie is looking for what a lot of families are looking for when they see, you know, courts that allow, you know, these people who have done injustice to them. I think she's looking for closure. Yeah, the, 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 the biblical reference that comes back to me is vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. Yeah. And I think the, the best you can do in these situations is to tell the truth. You know, I don't know how much of this is a fact. I want to read into it too much. But Cassie is short for Cassandra. And in Greek mythology, uh, Cassandra spoke the truth and uh, even foretold the future and was always right. But nobody ever believed her. And I, I wonder if that's, uh, you know, part of the background for having the character named Cassandra. But, but I, I think it what it forces the viewer to really struggle with this. But uh, at some level, um, truth has to be told. And, uh, you know, the lawyer is a redemptive figure in that he's willing to acknowledge the truth and acknowledge his own complicity in it. But uh, there's not an easy answer. I think the best you could do is to say the truth has to out. And uh, this this guy... Who, who did this and is about to get married and is having this great, you know, the successful career as a doctor uh, is, is a sham. He's become not only was he guilty of rape earlier, he's now guilty of murder. You do have this whole prophetical element in the Old Testament, don't you, Paul, where there is evil going on, like in Isaiah, the court systems, the widows, everything's evil. And, um, you know, e even God himself um it, it, in some ways um doesn't take action other than to protest with the prophetical you know the, the prophets you know in other words people need to change and that's going to take time or it's going to come under some kind of judgment that whole old testament idea of, of speaking out for justice but the judgment is there in the old testament when uh you know the, the babylonian exile is the result of well uh, yeah it ultimately comes and, and there, there's a consequence to be paid for and it, in this film what really is helpful is that uh, evil does not go unanswered. It finally is uh, confronted. And, uh, okay. you know, it's, it, for mm -hmm. all that's happened. Um, and you got to think, think of, of all the way this is going to play out because it's, it's uh, all of the friends who were there at the bachelor party now uh, are going to be confronted with what happened. They all, they all saw the stripper. They didn't know that she, was be that she got killed. By Al Monroe and his okay. friends, but they will, and they will have to confront that. There's a lot of uh, right. things that are will will follow inevitably from uh, this confrontation with the truth of what happened, as opposed to the lie. 
Okay. Okay. Well, and then, then also to play into that argument in a visit a horror film, you have her now texting the the guy she was kind of seeing throughout the movie who she finds out was participating in all this back when they were in school, but she is basically texting him as the cops are coming to the wedding from the grave, essentially. Right. Yeah, the whole film she's kind of she's almost acting like the real life ghost of Nina, but then yeah, at that point she becomes an actual ghost because like they're scheduled text messages, but again, yeah, she's at that point contacting from beyond the grave. Right, and what she's saying is pertinent to what is happening in that moment, which is also then playing into this prophetic idea of her knowing what kind of would have happened in in the event. But maybe she knew all along she was going to die because why even have those automated messages planned to be sent um, if she was planning to come back from that, unless she was going to maybe cancel those if she got away with it kind of thing. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's a backup plan for her. I don't think she's going in the idea that she's, voluntarily choosing to die but she's willing to die if need be for the truth to come out and again well, it's, it's, i do think she's i do think she's a little psycho i mean this is not a normal person <laughs> well uh i mean this, no. is not, this is not your girl next door you know no ralph she's not psychotic young woman she's promising a woman well i think it's also the idea that the, the person you know it's like the old question of hamlet the person who pursues justice above everything else gets to be perceived as someone who's crazy. That's the view of the prophets. They were they were thought to be crazy. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah. I, I would say okay. that I would okay. I would slightly disagree in that I think that she is fully prepared to die because I think the entire film, this is her clear just mission in life is to is to kind of expose these men and sort of seek any kind of justice for Nina. And then what we get is we get this relationship with Bo Burnham's character, which at first glance, he's a nice guy. And she and he kind of helps to sort of let her guard down and kind of be able to trust men again. And, and, I, and we get a lot of scenes of their relationship sort of blossoming. And it's very sweet and very, you know, I, again, promising that word. But then once she sees the video and understands that he was involved, I think at that point she has nothing left to lose and nothing left to really in a sense, live for, because what is her life otherwise? She has a very a very distant relationship with her parents. She has no friends. She kind of like, this is really all she cares about, so I think she's kind of willing to just ride it all the way to the end. Well, even if she succeeds, uh, she's going to end up in jail. This is a, a criminal assault, and um, you know, I think that she's surrendering everything at that point, and that may even could could be an alternative that she had in mind. And to say that she will automatically go to jail, I mean, her plan is very clever in the sense that she's in a disguise. Nobody at the party knows who she is. She's just a stripper. Nobody knows that it's this girl I went to school with. But also, if she did succeed in carving Nina's name into Al's stomach, then he might not want to make that story public because then it's bringing up this whole thing mm-hmm. that he did right back to the surface. So it's a very it's a very tricky, very complicated setup. But to say that she's automatically going to jail, I don't know if that's necessarily the, tr- the case. Well, she has to be prepared for that. That's one option. Um, All right. Well, so, so Dad, do you have any kind of final closing remarks as we sort of wrap this up? Yeah, I think I would, I would just say that it, it, it forces us to look at, at evil as, um, as a system more than a, simply a, a personal choice. I think it's, it's too easy to say, well, these are they're all just bad people. No, these are our potential community leaders. They're all doctors, not just uh, um, 
not just the rapist, but uh, everybody else who was involved in it one way or another. What makes the film so effective, and I think it does belong to the horror genre, is that evil is not simply an individual action. Evil is a whole system. And everyone in, in the film, except Cassandra and Nina, are... are are active in this in the system of evil, and you know, yes, the the lawyer comes back to repent, but there's a, a a whole evil system that has to be worked through, and I think that's a that's a biblical insight. Uh, you know, sin is not simply bad things you do. Sin is a whole turning away from God. Uh, sin is a rejection of God's goodness, love, and mercy, and it's only God's justice. God will not sit back idly. They, you know, there will be a calling to account. Uh, it sounds almost as scary as attacking the 50-foot woman, so I, I'm, I'm bowing out of this one. <laughs> and Promising Young Woman is currently nominated for Best Picture, Best Lead Actress, which is Carrie Mulligan, as we've discussed, Best Director, Best Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. So we're giving them a congratulations, but we also will see how they do at the Academy Awards. Ten times the terror. Stay tuned. Take care. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye. Thank you for listening to it's ten times the terror. The podcast. You are impossible. Thank you for listening to Ten Times the Terror. This podcast would not be possible without listeners like you. You can find out more about our podcast by visiting our website, Ten Times the Terror dot com. That's 10xTheTerror.com.